All right, welcome to another episode of Deaf Radio. Today is Sunday, March 26, 2023, and you're listening to Deaf Radio. So, this week, I am joined once again by Rick Gorman. How you doing, Rick? Howdy, howdy. And we got a few stories this week. The first up is alpaca. This is a new language model out of Stanford. And so what this is, is um, a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. I can't remember when, but uh, Facebook released a bunch of uh, language models called llamas, I guess. Uh, Different sizes. Some were... um, I can't remember which the smallest was. I think the smallest was 7 billion parameters, and then it goes up from there. Um, some are some are quite a bit larger than that, but the smallest model was uh, 7 billion parameters. And so what this alpaca model is and how they trained it was they took the smallest llama model, the 7 billion parameter model, and they used a method called self-instruct to sort of basically fine tune it into an instruction accepting large language model similar to uh, ChatGPT. And they were able to get it up to parity with GPT-3 and even like GPT-4 in some instances in some prompts. And they were able to do it very cheaply and very quickly by using this uh, self-instruct method. And what they did was they trained it on uh, ChatGPT, basically. I think they trained it on uh, OpenAI's Text DaVinci 3. So normally the way you like fine tune these uh, instruction models is you, there's a lot of human intervention, kind of like crafting the prompts and, and the responses and like picking the best ones. And they developed, I don't know if it was the same team that developed this uh, self-instruct method where they're able to like use another lang- instruction language model to uh, to train another language model. But that's essentially what they did. And they were able to get the cost down. Like, I think, it, I think the number was something like $600 to train this model that was, that's comparable to uh, TPT3 or 3.5 which is something that experts thought was going to take like five years to get it down to this price. And it's, they got it down in like less than a year. So things are moving fast. Super fast, fast, like a rocket ship. It's hard to keep up with this stuff at this point. Yeah. I mean the whole, you know, this whole idea of like the singularity. um, I mean, part of the idea there is that like you're using technology to, um, improve technology and with AI, like when AI gets to a point where AI can like improve itself, then it's just like, you get this exponential, I mean, it's already exponential, but it's just like, it, it explodes in capability, like so quickly. And I don't, I don't know if we're, we're really there yet. I mean, obviously we're using AI to improve AI, but we are, I mean, in this particular instance, they weren't able to train a model to be better than the model they used to train it. Uh, it was comparable. So it's like, really what they're doing is they're just making it cheaper 
and faster to train a comparable model. So it's not like it's better per se. It's just it's um it's just like cheaper to start from scratch, sort of. Cheaper, faster, smaller, something that would sit on a on an edge device. I mean, Apple is just gonna they're gonna take over here. It's uh, they've got these okay. the neural chips. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like iPhone twelve and up or I don't know what gen it is, but uh, you know they've got edge compute so. These things, uh, you know, I've seen them running with uh, eight gigs of RAM as these things, you know, get more and more precise or more and more specific to a domain. I could see them getting tuned down to like two gigs of RAM. And, um, you know, then everyone's got their own personal edge compute AI running, customized, personalized without the trappings of like the privacy uh, elephant right yeah stuff's getting right yeah it's running on your own device um it's auditable and um you know apple's been relatively uh quiet recently on the ai front you know facebook came out with their llama models google uh, released bard i think it's in beta um of course facebook oh sorry i just said i meant um microsoft and their partnership with uh, OpenAI. Apple's really the only big tech company that um, hasn't really come out. I mean, so, so, uh, Apple has Siri, obviously, but you know, Siri is like almost useless. Uh, it has yeah. been for a long time. So I wonder, you know, what what, what their plan is cooking something. Yeah, up. the interesting thing about Apple is that they're a product company, and they don't tease upcoming products like right. they're they've got this very controlled delivery system um you know at the developer conferences essentially or the big apple show like it's very polished it's very showman shippy um i've heard whispers that a lot of people have been pulled off of the Siri team to work on something else than mm. similar. So wait, uh, hang on a second. Are you telling me there was a Siri team? Uh, I mean, people built Siri. Siri didn't just, you know, just get well. They they acquired the company that built it, and it's been years since that acquisition. And I feel like it hasn't improved at all since then. But I'm sure it has. But it just you know, it's like... really. You know that, like, I think it's user expectations have have um, changed. I was, mm. uh, you know, I've just been I use uh, ChatGPT or Copilot, you know, on the regular, and I was in the truck the other day, um, and I I wanted to tell I don't know, there's like a whatever Google's voice thing is, uh, you know, I wanted to tell it like I need this exact thing. It was like, I want to play, you know, something off Spotify. Mm-hmm. And it, its response was, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And hmm. it's like, you know, I would have never asked that, you know, uh, before ChatGPT came out. Yeah. Um, before, you know, I used to use that to, to calculate distance um, on road trips, like figuring out what the best route between cities was. And it was really good at, at giving me numbers and doing some math and 
Like yeah. it was, it was a cool tool, but now it's just like a dumb non-scientific calculator. Yeah. It feels like light years behind at this point. I mean, and even Google's uh, voice assistant or, or whatever it's called, it's still way better than Siri. I mean, Siri just still feels like a, like a prototype or a, to- a toy, you know, it just doesn't, mm. I never use it. And I don't know anybody that does just unless they use it for very simple tasks that they know it can do, like setting a timer mm-hmm. or calling somebody. Right. But yeah, at this point, it just feels like so primitive in comparison. Yeah. All right. That's enough about AI for this week. <laughs> Let's talk about Maersk. What do you know about Maersk? Let's talk about Maersk. For those that don't know, Maersk is M-R-S-K. That is the new... Um, how, would I, how, how, would I, how would I describe this? This isn't a um, Kubernetes alternative, although it's sort of in the same realm of like container deployment. Um, basically, 37 signals the uh, company that DHH works at, the creator of Rails, uh, they developed this tool called Maersk to um, get them get them get their uh, services off the cloud because they were they had these huge cloud builds uh, bills. So they um, so yeah they built this tool called Maersk. Uh, it's sort of like container um, deployment orchestration kind of things, uh, similar to. Similar in spirit, I think, to Capistrano, if I recall. And um, yeah, so Fly.io came out with an article kind of comparing the two. I think Fly.io is quite a bit simpler, which which you would expect. You know, it's like a, um, it's kind of like a, almost like a turnkey platform as a service kind of a solution. And Maersk is a uh, DIY solution, but uh, the the thing that I that I found interesting in this article wasn't even really the contents of the article itself. It was in the comments where somebody pointed out that Maersk itself was written almost entirely by DHH. And you know, sure enough, if you go through the commits, you can see like almost every commit. I didn't see any commits that weren't by him, uh, which is really surprising to me. I figured I would have figured. DHH maybe just said, "Hey, we need to get off the cloud. All right, guys, go figure something out." But but no, he like wrote the whole <laughs> tool, uh, the whole platform himself. Which is for somebody in his position, that's um, I think that says a lot about him. It says a lot about the company and just his passion for for programming. You know, there's there's something to be said for being in the position where you can say no to absolutely everything you want to, Mm -hmm. to give you the freedom to build what you want to build. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're at a point where I, I think they were at this point for a while where they really had a lot of discretion in what they wanted to work on. And, and, Somebody like DHH, I don't know if he's if he's the uh, CTO or what, but um, typically, like people in his position, don't write that much code, and they they certainly aren't like 
single-handedly <laughs> building entire like frameworks uh, for like architectural uh, deployments and, and things like that. So I don't know. It's it's pretty inspiring to me. It's I think it's something a, a lot of people aspire to. Um, they want to they want to get in that higher level position, but they don't want to give up the lower level. Um, the lower level work, I guess, of like writing code and just like, you know, making commits and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, I've, I've been an IC for forever. Um, I did managerial for a bit and decided I, I don't want to do that again because of like the time commitments of sitting in meetings and deciding things and keeping track of what other people are doing and, you know, this IC route, um, as you, as you go up, even an IC, like if you go up to, uh, staff, principal, et cetera, um, there's this, uh, I don't know. I mean, just what I've read, what I've talked to people about, like you write less code because you're directing others or you're reviewing things or you're planning things. Um, that seems to be, you know, if you want to make more money, you basically have to write less code. And, you know, there are a couple, a couple examples of people, DHH being one, um, Linus Torvalds being the other, that, you know, they've sat in these positions where they've like built these tools that, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see how, how well Maersk gets um, adopted, given that it's built, uh, you know, it's going to be default rails like that, strikes me as something a lot of people will adopt um, right. in the next cycle or so, like the next yeah. wave of startup companies, whatnot. Um, Git, like, you know, everybody loves to hate Git, uh, but it's, I mean, that, that's a tool, like every developer uses it. And that was built basically uh, by one dude over a weekend. So a weekend or a week, what, it was a short period of time. He's just frustrated. Mm -hmm. He saw a solution and he just dropped everything else and built it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, That's, you know, you you had an interesting um, you you threw out an interesting quote to me the other day. Uh, I'm gonna try to paraphrase it. Stop me if you remember which quote I'm talking about, but it was something I like, won't "Remember anyhow." Yeah, I want to I want to get I want to get rich enough so that I can work on the things I want to work on. Does um, that ring a yeah, bell? Yeah, I. I know what you're talking about. I lifted that from, uh, I can't cite who it was, but there was a, um, hacker news discussion mm. and, uh, someone, someone wrote that, the like, you know, I want to be able, I want to make enough money so I can finally have time to work on the things I want to work on. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Cause you, you would think like, are you, are, you know, do you work to live or you, do you live to work? And if you're, and if you're talking about, yeah, what are you going to do with all this money you have? Well, I'm going to work on what I want to work on. It's so sort of be counterintuitive to a lot of people, but, um, but that's a, that's a sentiment that I think I and a lot of others can relate to. I know um, for me, that was part of the motivation of quitting my full-time employment and working on Mochi was, you know, I just had this idea, I had this thing I wanted to work on. I wanted to work on the things that, I wanted to work on it and enjoy the work I was doing. And I quickly realized that 
starting your own business, um, there's a, there's actually a way more stuff you have to do that is not fun to work on than the stuff you thought you were going to be working on. So, yeah, I'm still not at that point where I, I had made enough money so that I could work on what I want to work on, but but uh, maybe someday. I think it's a good a good segue um, into this comment that uh, uh, J Blow uh, yes put on our man J Blow HN Jonathan Blow. Jonathan Blow. Um, so this was all the way back in 2014. For those that don't know, Jonathan Blow, he is a independent game developer. His first game, Braid, uh, was kind of a, uh, I guess, a seminal point in indie game development. It was, you know, it. it I don't want to say it was extremely popular, but um, it was very successful, critically acclaimed. He took a huge risk. Uh, this was back when indie game development was not um, super popular. There weren't a lot of people doing it. I can't remember exactly when the game came out, um, but um, but yeah, I, I remember reading about, or maybe he was he made a YouTube video about it and, and how he um, had you know used up all his savings to develop this game. Uh, looks like it came out in two thousand eight. So yeah, he so he um, in my opinion, he has a lot of very insightful uh, commentary about programming and not just the sort of technical side of it, which which he does have a lot of uh, interesting things to say about, but also the sort of um, personal, you know, like the mental state of programming. And I found this comment he made on Hacker News. Um, eight years ago that really resonated with me. And I'm not going to read the whole comment. I'm just going to read uh, the last couple paragraphs. He says, quote, uh, and one more thing about personal identity. Early on as a programmer, I was often in situations like you described. I didn't like what I was doing. Uh, I thought the management was dumb. I just didn't think my work was very important. I would be very depressed on projects, make slow progress at times, get into a mode where I was much of the time pretending progress simply because I could not bring myself to do the work. I just didn't have the spirit to do it. I know many people here know what I'm talking about. Over time, I got depressed about this. Do I have a terrible work ethic? Am I really just a bad programmer, a bad person? But these questions were not so verbalized or intellectualized. They were just more like an ambient malaise and a disappointment in where my life was going. What I learned later on is that I do not at all have a bad work ethic and I am not a bad person. In fact, I am quite fierce and get huge amounts of work done when I believe that what I am doing is important. It turns out that for me to capture this feeling of importance, I had to work on my own projects. And even then it took a long time to find the ideas that really moved me. But once I found this, it basically turned me into a different person. If this is how it works for you, the difference between these, mo these two modes of life is huge. So, yeah, I think, you know, personally, I, I relate to this a lot. Um, there's definitely been points in my career where I just could not bring myself to do the work. Um, and it was just physically like, it, you know, it was like there was a, a an obstruction almost in the way. And uh, this, this idea of like a, this ambient malaise of disappointment 
that's like totally relatable to me. I think it's relatable to a lot of people, not just programmers. Yeah, the feeling of uh, just kind of feeling stuck. Maybe this is as good as it gets. Maybe this is as good as I can get. Uh, maybe this is because of all the mistakes I've made in my past. This is as good <laughs> as a position I'm going to ever have. Um, yeah. It's risky to try anything else. Yeah, I mean, I can go on and on. I, I absolutely, absolutely relate to this. And um, yeah, I've walked away from a, from a number of jobs. Um, yeah. A number of opportunities. And, and every time I do, like, I feel better. <laughs> mm. You know, family yeah. is like, why are you not making money right now? Like, right. Cause I, I need to not make money right now. Yeah, exactly. I think that's like hard for a lot of people to uh, relate to as well. And, uh, you know, for me, like I, I took the, the jump, uh, working on Mochi, right. This was just like this idea I had in my head. I, I had to, it was like taking over my my entire brain it was just like I, I couldn't stop thinking about it couldn't work um yeah i remember anything, seeing it used to just be you know, staring, just to staring at the wall and i think staring at the wall staring that that staring lasted for quite a while at something I mean, unseen by the rest of us a few years and and even to this day to a certain degree i still get very um very excited about things that I want to do with Bochi and I get very motivated, but, um, the feelings definitely waned and I think, oops, I lost Rick. I All think right, I'm uh, back. We're Can back. You hear me? Sorry. Um, technical difficulties there. Testing, testing one, two, uh, three. What was I talking about? Oh yeah. I think I was talking about Mochi and how the excitement has kind of waned over time. But, um, but yeah, the, the difference in productivity, that is, that's, that's huge. I think, um, there's, there's also something about just working in front of a computer that is sort of very unnatural in some sense, which can also like, kind of hinder your um your enthusiasm for the work i don't know if you've ever felt that mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the the that totally that the 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 fact that it's like to me it's something that I am so passionate about but cannot r relate to with almost anybody on almost any level, you know, uh, because it is so technical and it's so, um, I don't want to say esoteric, but like most people just have no idea. And so it's like, you have all these thoughts going on in your head 
Um, and it's a topic that you I could, we could talk at length, and we do every week. But for the average person, it's just, you know, you start talking about it and their eyes, you can see their eyes glaze over. That glaze that we're all familiar with. Well, one thing we can do is move on to the next topic. We've got an article here about FZF, that is the uh, command line fuzzy finder. So just a cool article about a bunch of little tricks that uh, you can do with FCF. Uh, I don't know if you dug too much into this article, Rick, but um, some examples they, they point out are the uh, command line history. So your command line has a history control R that um, uh, you know I, I you was kind of browse through, but it's a little clunky. You have the to, other day, if you want to search that, for something. It's you know I've already invested twenty with FCF um, plus it's years into this so career. This is what I'm going to be doing with, you know, the rest of my life, probably, unless I become a sculptor. Fuzz your way, and and it's just sitting for. in front of screens at a desk. Um, like some other things. This that, is uh, not. You know, it's not our, blue collar. Um, it's not out doing something with like my hands. Your, um, CD history, um, maybe. You know, and it's and it's kind of, kind like of hard see, to okay. relate it to people who aren't in the field. It's like it's almost like being a surgeon. Um, configuration file these, was you know, thousands like and thousands of little ago. technical things Boom. to stay on top of. Got your back. Um, and you know, that connection, right? Working in the terminal so much easier, I think. Mm, yeah. Right. Nice. Yep. That glaze, that eye glaze. Sweet, sweet eye glaze. Yeah. What do we do about it? Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the only, like, the only problem is if you type in the wrong command and then it's in your history, <laughs> you might accidentally like find it again, find that wrong command again. But yeah, FCF is um, it is unexpectedly powerful. There's like a lot of really cool things you can do with it. Um, I know, like I use it a lot for um, 
Searching through yeah, like, it's the blog if I'm looking for a particular commit or something. Um, I found. I think you introduced me to. I found it interesting years uh, and years ago, and ago. I always thought yeah, of it as something like you have to up. pipe output into but, um, it. So it's kind of like is... it's like an easier grep. So, yeah, here it is. Like, it's like an interactive grep. Like it's ah, this, okay, that's kind of cool. Describe it, but you know, I'll use it occasionally. Um, but the, the shell the history, line. like you can kind of uh, hack a one miner that and probably to like probably review 50 the results times of a day. certain commands um, like awk, you know, just, just doing things like if I'm, and things like that, uh, like, you know, if I'm doing well, like a git like commit amend, I would never have, you know, I do those all the time. I'll, you know, get my PR looking good, but, push uh, it up, do like FCF dash dash that, I don't know, I forgot a RuboCop thing or something, you know, and then I just control R basically type in AM and I get back to the amend line, enter, enter. It runs it, and then so so in, the, um, so in one of the examples, you know, I go back uses, to the, the um, git push. That's a pretty short one. Um, the but there, there are these cycles the that query. and so used to this be, is all like and, and I think part of it is to, I, to imagine like, in their head, but my memory is not perfect. Think of it as accurate. essentially like if Hawk was so I have a fear around had like type, like especially around git, like typing the, the wrong so that as command you type in, in the commands, you can see the output. There's, there's just the like, as you, you know, trying to like reset a single file. Like I'm always Googling these things. Like I just, I don't, liner. I just want to be assured that, okay, good. I, I did go through this page. The link yeah. is purple ad been here before. Uh, to, and doing a control R, it's like this confirmation. No, what, what, somebody, like, um, reset, it was a comment dash, on dash, dash uh, head, something, something. Okay. Yeah, there is cool. Boom. Um, yeah, it's just like a huge confidence boost. Out of it, it, there's no code. All it is is a, like a README and some GIFs. I'll I'll put that in the uh, show notes for people to check out. But um, that was something that kind of kind of blew my mind <laughs> when I first saw that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of tools that people built that never even leave their hard drive. Uh, I know I'm I'm guilty of that. <laughs> so that is a scary thing. That re this reminds me of uh, an XKCD comic, as as does everything in life. Uh, maybe you've seen it. Uh, I think it's the title is "Is It Worth the Time?" And he's got yeah, this that, kind that of sounds freakishly cool. Um, I, I uh, how I long that one it, you have that in your doc normally or... take to uh, do the task? how often you do it, how much time you would spend like refactoring or creating the tool or whatever to save the time. So 
it's like you got to figure out okay you know I, i'm always like faced with this dilemma where it's like mm. oh, i got to do this like manual task beautiful and it's it's uh it's tedious i could automate yeah, it. yeah it's pretty amazing you know, I'm a programmer. yeah you know and it's it, but like part you know, of this i don't know if, if how uh, much time is it really going to save it's it's hard it. to talk about these um, things because they're they're so kinetic it's like it's only that, once a month you know it's almost like it. this is an extension uh, of I don't it's, know. It's, it's just a tool I put together to I feel like make I my life better, right? Like dilemma, if you like ever go into a wood day. shop, um, you know, people have these jigs that they've built or whatever, and they don't think of them as being like, oh yeah, I just had this problem, so I built this tool to fix it. Like two hundred thousand other people are having the same problem, and they, you know, a lot of them haven't taken the time to build the tool to make it better. Um, you know, I've I've got a, a habit. I've been, I've been skipping it. Actually, I did nice. some this week. Every week I, I try and take 20 or 30 minutes and just work on my shell. I've got, you know, throughout the week when I see something cool like this FCF article or somebody shares their dot files or whatever, I just keep it in a list. And I'll go, you know, just spend, spend a little bit of time looking at people's dot files and seeing how they're solving things. And, uh, Mm-hmm. There are some, I mean, just incredibly useful tools that people have built that get zero fanfare. It's a scary thing. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. It adds up. Yeah, it's got this kind of like mm-hmm. ripple effect. Yeah. Um, so very, very related to this um, is the question of, uh, you know, I work on a team, there's, I don't know, we've got roughly six or seven developers. We have a test suite. Yeah. And, and that's, the company is at an early enough stage that the whole these, test these are suite the things that the user never minute. really gets um, exposed to. You know, it's like, Adding this is all totally tests like and internal, therefore, like machine has a that you know, proportionally like all the time. a large the trade offs. Right? Like if we're like, doing as any, you mentioned, there's some um, trade offs. You know, full uh, JavaScript enabled the browser for system tests. Like writing, if we add a second onto um, the test suite, that's like in the future a one percent uh, increase in size. To and decide all that. Stuff so I think us. about that. That if I want to add another test. Ah, it's going to take. I'll anyway, cut that I out of post. Tests okay, I've moving on. You know, full one second test. They Here's an article from do all kinds of wacky JavaScript the stuff that called "You like, Can't Tell People time. Anything." It's from that test. Uh, how many times do I run actually. a test suite a day? Like this one. I don't know, maybe right. twenty. So that's Tell twenty us, seconds of my day, twenty seconds of everybody else's day. So that's like 
two or three minutes a day compounded over a year, maybe that's like 600 minutes. So maybe that's 10 hours of, of, you know, developer time, not quite developer time. I mean, you don't really do anything when the test suite's running, but you know, there's some cost to adding a one second test. Like that, that test could cost the company like a thousand dollars over a year. Um, so like, yeah. Um, so, you know, does it make sense to do a full system test? Is it needed? Could it just be like an integration spec? Um, if it is, you know, it, it could, do we have to like actually create a model with factory bot? Could we do a build instead? Could we do a build stubbed instead? Could we do a double instead? Um, and, you know, it, like it, it almost seems pedantic when I see a code base like that. Like, why don't you guys just just use just use build? But, you know, if you're using a double, like that could be 20 to 30 times faster than using build. So if you get this like rocket fast test suite, everybody's going to always be running it and the code quality goes up. So um, definitely stuff to keep in mind. I thought we were done talking about AI, Matt. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so this was, uh, I, I guess this, this particular, um, called a blog post, uh, gets referenced on Hacker News every few years. And it's the story of... Yeah, that is... Um, I don't know, it's, it sounded like it was maybe like an early 90s story yeah, that's, of that's, handing that's, off that a, is an a interesting piece conclusion. of Before I get very complicated enterprise tech the, uh, from an American company to a I just want to point out that this is actually the article... There's already a cultural barrier. We're trying to think a lot of. of stories have been written around that uh, in particular. This is the quote. Um, I, I think this is the... But um, it was it was more of this a... This is the quote. Uh, it's, uh, and they is, spent a week. It was quote, like when the American team... When people ask me about my life's ambitions, I often joke out, that my goal is to become independently wealthy. And they spent a week just talking so through this is the way the system work works. And this is there it is. the architecture. So, this is yeah, it's an interesting it. article. And, um, you know, Japanese team, it's they're got all a, taking notes. Of and, tidbits you know, like they're that. asking questions. They're nodding um, their heads. Some people are shitting on it in the comments. Fast forward some number um, of months. So, and and the, the system, it's just crawling to a halt. Nothing's working. They don't know what's going on. They can't explain what's going on. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's like this complete unknown. And uh, so somebody from the American team goes out and to this. I figures think, out um, what they're doing. And it was, uh, I think there, there is a comment in here. I, that I can't remember the details exactly, but it, it, it was something like, it was I like a client server thing. A lot and, of it. Rather from, than allowing the clients to do some edge processing no, of like graphics rendering, people not they were having, rendering each um, frame on the server and then pushing it over the well, wire. Yeah, there, there's and, definitely like a lack of context. And so, I think. 
the the like gist of this article people you can't tell anybody anything that is that Right. Until so, someone actually does the work and has this kinesthetic of like experience of doing it and understanding and your mistakes, the, the that's all that context of it, is kind of like um, they're not going to know what you're talking about. They're not going to have a clue. Other people don't have they can that think they know what you're talking about, and, and you can think they understand you. Think, but when they actually go and try and do it, just uh, you know, they they wind up just falling on their face. But so why I don't even know. It's not something I've taking the this time particular to topic I've anybody. thought that deeply about. But uh, I ha- now that I've like, I, I, I'm uh, hearing somebody articulate it. It's something I can totally relate to. One of the one of the comments is is very emphatic mm. in that. Oh, but you can tell people things, and he goes on to say these are the things that you need to do. Number one, establish enough shared context that they can understand you. Two, speak about something they actually care about or convince them to care. Uh, and three, there use a is. format that works for what you're trying to communicate. I think number two is is really a key piece here, which is like speaking about something that they actually care about or convince them to care. Yeah, yeah, you uh, know. So what? That so is, like, what's your take, Matt? I'm, I'm that just is definitely curious. like a big like, missing piece. You think this is like of, uh, you think this is legit? You think this is well? It's only for like um, you can't you know it's certain types of people, or uh, you got to be a good communicator. Organizations like, that your, have different what's your experience uh, departments, I guess. This? I'm curious. That are often in sort of an antagonistic relationship. Just thinking, you know, personally, maybe it's like engineers versus product, or like designers versus engineers. Um, there's not like a shared uh, set of concerns across the two teams, right? Like uh, engineers have their motivations for wanting to do things and are not wanting to do things. Designers have their motivations and like, there's just not a great alignment of um, incentives. And I don't, I mean, it's a, it's a really difficult problem. I don't, I don't know the solution. I know it's a difficult problem because so many businesses have this problem. And if it wasn't difficult, then it would have been solved by now. But yeah, I I might be getting a little off topic, but that's kind of my experience. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, no, no, I think that's, that's totally valid. Um, what I've seen, what works for me, I'll, I'll put it that way. So I, I definitely can find myself in that mode of like, my brain doesn't want to do this, so I'm just not going to do it. Um, and maybe not do anything for a day. Um, I try to avoid it, but when it happens, it's like, well, I'm not going to make my life awful. I'm just going to go for a walk and hmm. yeah, take that's... the afternoon off. Um, Part of, uh, actually part of thought box, well, one man's uh, treasure is another, another man's of, trash, or I guess it's like the other building software in the best way possible but, um, so that, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, that kind of relates to, is, uh, go for a coffee walk every afternoon. The physicality of like, like sitting in front of a computer. You know, two, two thirty comes around and people just start saying some coffee point, walk, just get this coffee walk. And then like 15 developers walk the coffee out walk of the room. Is, is great. Uh, did that at, and, you know, and it was, it was interesting, you know, working at the studio, that's that something was that seems like hard to like, replicate. That was the norm and everybody uh, did it. And like, and fully you know, managers team. would come out with us and, um, so, yeah, but like we knew how good it was just to get out and walk and talk and get a little bit there, informal but, uh, about the problems we're, we're looking at. Yeah. Um, I think we'd go take that into a client's office and then, you know, two o'clock would come around and somebody would say coffee walk and. And, you know, it's, it's kind of this awkward thing and it's almost like we kind of have to role play it, you know, as the consultants there, like coffee walk. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think, I think I'd like to go on a coffee walk. I wonder, I wonder if anybody else wants to come join us. You kind of look around and, and, um, okay. You know, a lot of the time, like it would be, we'd have to get management to come with us first before the rest of the team saw that it was okay to go do that. Um, but you know, it got to the point where yeah, you know, a group of people would go for a walk, and and um, you know, the value of that really is is in like connecting with others, sharing frustrations, sharing the things <laughs> no, really? that like, you're really excited about. Don't say, um, you know, like having some good human connections, and uh, you know, I've had results of these where um, or outcomes like at the end. It yeah. turns out that I was doing something that I didn't want to do that somebody else wanted to do. So, um, I mean, yeah, there's always like crappy work that somebody has to it's do. Pretty good idea. The barrel I like stuff, that. But um, I've never, you know, if there's like something else. Totally. But um, I've definitely had some IRL yeah, exactly. programming sessions. One thing I have done is um, like live coding on Twitch. Which kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Obviously, it's you know you're interacting with people in the chat, but it's, a, it's maybe a, a similar idea. But um, you, you know, it's like it's you get that human connection, sort of. It's a little disjointed, but but at least there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the trolls are. Uh, well, and with that, I think it is time. I got to go. I'm late for my live stream. Well, I've got go a, I, I can throw a segment in if uh, uh, you can you want to hear find me at um, onlyfans.com slash. Well, how did, how did in this asynchronous I, remote first I, world that's no, emerging, kidding. especially. All right. Uh, I think that'll do it for today. Folk, what, um, 
what I've found to work. Thank you, Rick. Once again, uh, uh, we'll see everybody. Well, I won't see you guys, but doing uh, mob programming. Same day, same time. Later. So just inviting like a couple other developers, like, hey, I've got a problem. You know, I could probably solve it on my own, but why don't we just mob program this thing for a few hours? And, you know, one, like mob programming in general, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it just because it's like it's stressful for whoever is driving. (laughs) Um, You know, and then you get a bunch of people with conflicting ideas or somebody's going this way or that way. But part of that, like, you know, it's 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 a less serious session and it's more like, hey, maybe we like pull back and we just start talking about the things we're working on or. It, it, it just creates like a little bit more informal space to, to talk about stuff. Mm. Yeah, you're not just, you know, mashing buttons on a keyboard like somebody's somebody's getting something out of it somehow. Some of those trolls. Hmm. Writing this down, writing this down, writing this down. Awesome. Matt, thank you. Take care, everyone.